All right, all right, all right. Day 164. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. Uh, we come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so uh, we're in the thick of two chronicles two chronicles 25 to 28 today and um yeah i hope you're reading because it is a lot going on here uh, a lot of names a lot of people and the chronicler is moving really fast to kind of get his point of view across uh to this post-exile community showing them how they got to where they are now and see and so they could see how god's blessings and curses uh dependent on the rule of a davidic king uh and his observance to the worship of god and to the law of god so we have the king of judah amaziah Right. Amaziah, he's the son of Joash. Remember, we talked about Joash, a young bull who uh, became king as a young, young kid um, and who got killed. He got killed by his servants and his son, Amaziah, comes. and He does what is right in the Lord's sight, but he's not wholeheartedly. Right. Two kings will say uh, not like his father, David. But we see that he keeps the law. Right? He keeps the law of Deuteronomy 24, where his servants kill his pops. So he goes after them, but he doesn't kill their sons, right? So so um, Deuteronomy 24 protected uh, the, the children in Israel here, uh, and, and here he um, lives it out. And so uh, the enemies of God come against them, and they go to fight against Edom. Now, what's amazing is this, is the fact that he doesn't just get Judah to fight with him, right? That's his uh, territory where he's ruling, but he also pays 7,500 pounds of silver to Israel for them to go fight with him against Edom, right? But a man of God, a prophet, comes to him and says, oh, 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 oh. Wait up, Slay Road Jack. God is not with them. Now, remember, this chronicler is pro-Judah, G. He's pro-Judah. So he's going to highlight this stuff, right? So he's like, um, you know, God's not with them. So so don't go with them. Don't go and fight against Edom with them. God is not with them. But if you want to go, go ahead and good luck. It won't be pretty, right? So whenever that term, though, is used, God was not with them. Um, whenever that term is used, the Lord was not with them in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Usually it resulted in a military failure, failure, right? Failure. And um, you see it in the book of Numbers of time. But if God is not with you, according to the Bible, he's he's against you. Right. It, it doesn't matter how well you fight. This is what he's trying to tell Judah and Amaziah. He sends them back. He sends the Israelites back. He's like, bet. Oh, I'm God not with them. We good. We cool. And so remember uh, how religion and warfare is very tied together uh, here in this period of redemptive history in Scripture. And so he goes to fight. Edom in the Valley of Salt. And what happens? He routes them. But in the biggest act of stupidity, <laughs> he actually takes their gods and brings them back home to his place. Now, this is this is just stupid. There's no other words we could use. There's no other words in the English language <laughs> like he is stupid for this. And it, why is he stupid? Because if their gods couldn't save them, what makes you think they can help you? Right. That like that's the whole thing. Like that's the whole point. That's why I keep calling him stupid. And Yahweh is smoking. He's hot. He's mad. And God sends him a prophet and says, "Hey, bro, that's not a good look." Essentially, and the king shuts him down. He's like, "Why are you even talking to me? Do you want to die? Um, you know what I you know what I do? Um, and yeah, you just see that our idols make us stupid. Like like and, and on a more theological level, let me let me be a little bit more sophisticated than that. Um, like worshiping idols." makes us less rational and <laughs> like like seriously like worshiping things that are not god makes us do things that are just unwise right and so um it's it's it's, it's crazy that you see that kind of played out here and so from there he is routed by israel israel comes and defeats him um keeping with the prophecy coming from the man of god but i think the thing we need to realize is this listen our strength is never our strength and our uh trust 
should never be in our own might, in our own gifting, in our own strategies or anything else. And anytime we think we can depend on those things and not God himself, we are in big trouble. 26, 2 Chronicles 26, similar themes actually. Uh, most of us don't know a ton about King Uzziah, but King Uzziah is the king of Judah at this time and he comes after um, my man Amaziah. And so uh, Uzziah, a lot of us know, you know, in the year that King Uzziah died from Isaiah 6, right? But Uzziah becomes king. And what this text shows us is that basically his history and his lineage uh, was much longer than this. He reigned 52 years. He reigned a really long time. And so the text is going to condense his reign into a few uh, verses. Right. <laughs> but the chronicler is going to portray an early period of success in war, of building and organizing a well-trained army. Right. All these things. But the old adage comes to bear in this text. Right. Pride comes before the fall. That's actually Proverbs, too. Um, but. Yeah, the pride comes before the fall. So he grew proud. He he his blessedness less led to boastfulness. Right. He he grew strong and he grew arrogant. Right. And he did things that were stupid as well. And he, um, you know, grew strong and grew proud. And remember, the chronicler loves seeking the Lord. and He loves humility. And so he, he always wants to highlight when people didn't act humble. Right. When they did more than like they, they, they went outside of uh, the things that God called them to right they went outside and tried to do more and do things god didn't call them to right in pride in their own pride and in their own arrogance so he usurped the role of the priest and he goes in the temple and he's burning incense on the altar that was the priest's job and he check this he was trying to do it as a king so he went outside the bounds of his regality right outside the bounds of his kingship no kings were supposed to do that He's wilding. He's bugging. He's bugged out. And it's amazing because he was this good dude. He was a he was a beast. He was prospering. Right. And um, it's been said that, you know, pride is a friend to all virtues. Pride is a friend to all virtues. So we have to be mindful, even in the great things we do, the good things we do in this life, man. We have to be vigilant that we don't become prideful. Right. We don't see ourselves as invincible. We don't see ourselves as better than we don't see ourselves as uh, as if we can. Yeah. Like do whatever we want. Right. We have to be humble. Stay humble before the father. Right. And it's the kindness of God here is crazy. He sends 80 priests to check him. They come and check him before he gets out of hand, before it gets before it gets out of hand. He had already got out of hand before the the, the wrath of God, the judgment of God got out of hand. And. He gets mad <laughs> like and, and, and one of the things we learn about God here is that he always warns us before his wrath. He always gives us warnings, man. God is so confident. And you see pride coming to bear here. Pride. Uh, pride is present when a life giving rebuke is met with irritation rather than submission. Right. Pride is present when a life giving rebuke is met with irritation rather than submission and so as a result he becomes afflicted with this skin disease for the rest of his life and the irony in this you see the text showing a ton of irony here i love it the bible is also literature um is that he was in the temple doing what he wasn't supposed to do right with the sacrifices and he gets a skin disease now the skin a skin disease will make you unclean according to leviticus 13 and 14 it will make you unclean and it would bar you from being in uh near the temple to worship and so from there he is moved uh, out of the temple uh outside the camp and we just see, man, he uh, lacked humility. Right. And it's a word for us. And when we have to continually remind ourselves of uh, is that, um, you know, we have to watch ourselves carefully, not just in seasons of affliction, but especially in seasons of prosperity. Right. In seasons of prosperity, we really have to watch ourselves 
carefully, especially when things seem to be going good. Uh, we should be most watchful of ourselves and our souls. Pride doesn't possess the favor of God, but humility does. Two Chronicles 27 moves on. The text continues to move on. And it shows us that we don't have to imitate our forefathers wholesale. Right. He doesn't imitate Uzziah. Uh, Jotham becomes king. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. But the people still behaved corruptly. Now, I wish I had time to talk about is that uh, the fact that um, you could have the Bible says that they could have a good and righteous king and folks still act a fool. Hello. That'll preach us and Jesus. Right. Jesus is still this great, gracious, beautiful king who is seated on the, at the right hand of the father ruling over the universe as Lord of the universe. Romans one uh, through four. And guess what? We still act a fool. <laughs> right. So you see. Um, but you see here with uh, Jotham, uh, he is this good king and you see how he is evaluated based on his work with the temple. Unlike his father, he built the upper gate of the temple and God's presence and God's palace. Two themes that run throughout this text were his priority. Right. Jotham, it says in uh, verse six. So Jotham strengthened his position because he did not waver in obeying the Lord, his God. This section ends off chapter 28 with uh, my man Ahaz. And Ahaz, man, he he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel who had turned away from the Lord. According to the chronicler, he made images of Baal. He sacrificed his kids in the fire uh, to Moloch. And he imitated the practices of the folks the Lord had dispossessed, uh, dispossessed from the land, the Canaanites. And you see uh, this concept of divine retribution. I don't know if I mentioned this yet, but one of the chronicler's main themes is this divine retribution. So coming about. And uh, what it means is um, that God, that, that the chronicler, at least in, in, in the way he tells the story, uh, shows uh, the judgment of God, even for people who may have started well. Right. And so um, it, it, it was just a warning sign for the people of God in um, the post exile community who had come back to the land after exile. Like, yo, hey, like it's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. Right. We talked about that before. Um, and so uh, some would say that, um, you know, Israel and Aram or Syria, they come and they defeat this kingdom and God gives him over to them. And uh, some would say that they joined alliances to do this, but some would disagree. However, the point is still the same that uh, God's judgment, man, is sure to come upon wickedness. We don't never know. We don't know when, but uh, we, we can be sure it will. Right. Um, from there, more enemies take him over. Edomites come against him as well. And the Lord, it says the Lord humbled Judah because of unfaithfulness of Ahaz. Right. And I, I just think, man, it's amazing because, you know, our spiritual blindness, man, is evident when we turn any and everywhere for help except the Lord. And he was trying to turn to these political alliances. Right. He went to the Assyrians for help and also to the gods of Damascus. But unfortunately, he never went to the God of Israel. Right. And, man, our spiritual blindness is, is, is just so evident when we turn any and everywhere for help except the Lord. And this is what Ahaz did. This was um, not godly. It, it was wrong. It was it was it was sinful in the, in the, in the eyes of the Lord and the community that heard this uh, would have needed to know this. And we do too, right? That, that, that our trust in God was was so much more important than any socio-political program, party, or alliance we could ever be a part of. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your mercy, for your grace. I pray that these words wouldn't just be things that we hear, but things that we live by. Um, that God, our very lives, we thank you for your grace and your mercy to us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.